Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the show that brings the magic right to your speakers. Ears up! You know, it's it's a good sign when uh, whenever I screw something up in the beginning of the show, like already, just immediately, I'm like, "Yep, all right, here we go. We're gonna start." And the volume was down, <laughs> so uh, you know that just happens. But uh, anyway, what's going on, everybody? Ears up podcast. We are here, and we have a good show for you tonight. Of course. We have Dave from the infamous DaveLandWeb.com. You guys have heard us talk about Dave Land Web on numerous, numerous shows, probably too many. Um, but he is here. He's going to be talking with us a little bit about uh, his own personal Disneyland history. Um, in case you don't know Dave Land Web, Dave collects a lot of vintage, uh, old, I don't know the proper term anymore, um, photos of Disneyland and Disney World and all these places. So, uh, And he puts them online. For free. And you can go and look at them. You can look at the park in its heyday. It's amazing. And you can look at like other people's great aunts going to the park too, which I find just like the cool part about... Anyway, I'll get to that. I'm getting way ahead of myself, but uh, we're excited to talk to Dave and uh, we're excited for you guys to hear it. And of course, Taryn is here and Terrence and Bev. We have a full house today. So exciting. It's rare. Whatever happened to predictability? The milkman, the paper boy, even TV. (laughs) Even MTV. Oh, man. Not MTV. <laughs> you all right, Taryn? Yes, I'm fine. Okay. I'm fine. You sure? Yes. All right. Meeting dropped you. That's I all right. I know. It happens. Uh, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, probably. Any feedback on the show? This will become very important later on. I have, a, I have, a, I have things to talk about later on that I, I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. If you have feedback on the show, if there's a thing about the show, an aspect of the show that you like or don't like... Taryn at earsup-podcast.com or send it to me directly, whatever you want to do. Uh, it depends on what the feedback is. Um, I promise you will, uh, you will receive a response from me if it warrants a response. And uh, if it doesn't, it'll be read right on the air. So I think that's fun for you and for me. Show suggestions go to Terrence at earsup-podcast.com and you can say hi, hi. to Bev and anything else comes to me, Jason at earsup-podcast.com. Bev, I do got to say, I sort of miss your, um, your, um, your accents you used to do. My changing it up? Yeah I, yeah, I was thinking about that. I'll, I'll get back into it. I just haven't been um, inspired. You haven't inspired? Well, I, I feel like you don't know many accents. You, got, you had the Australian <laughs> And then like the Cockney, which are basically the same thing. No, and then no, that was it. Not. 
Uh-uh. Sure they are. <laughs> Hello. And oi. Yeah, like a Slovakian. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? Welcome. Welcome to my lair. <laughs> and by lair, I mean Sam's side of the bed. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, um, I know we don't have any feedback today, and uh, I was supposed to take it off my outline, Taryn, but I didn't. So I okay. said it, and now we're having this awkward discussion. Uh, now, yeah, there's no feedback. Okay, very good. If you good. have any, please send it along. <laughs> please send it along. I will go through all of my other spiel and all that kind of fun stuff after the interview because I want to get to Dave DeCaro from DaveLandWeb.com. Dave, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. Great to be on here. And uh, I'm, I appreciate that we uh, had some time and, and connected earlier. And, you know, during the little pre-interview segment of the show, um, I think we're going to get along just fine. I think, <laughs> I think we share a lot, of, uh, a lot of grievances and a lot of positives about the parks. And uh, I can't wait to jump into all that. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think we're going to have, uh, you know, a lot of fun. Uh, like most everybody else, I got turned on to your to your site because of the the, the vintage Disney parks photos and uh, stuff like that. And digging around, I discovered there's much more to you and your site than just you're just some guy hunting for old pictures. How did you get uh, How did you get involved collecting what are essentially um, people's vacation photos for for Disneyland for the parks like that? How did you get started with that? I've been going to Disneyland since I was a little kid, but it wasn't until around. 2004, 2005, that I started going an awful lot. And uh, I don't remember how I found it, but there's a blog, and it's still up, but I don't think the guy updates it. Patrick, can't remember his last name, but it's mm-hmm. called Matterhorn59.blogspot.com. He was he was like the original blogger of old Disneyland okay. photos. Somehow I found it because I, I think I was researching something I'd seen at the park. I stumbled onto his blog, and it was like, my first vintage Disneyland rabbit hole that I went down. <laughs> I was scrolling through post after post, seeing these construction pictures, um, pictures of the early park. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. And then, you know, like everything else, I always think, oh, I wonder if I could find some of these on eBay. Okay, sure. So that was how it started, doing that search on eBay. I found a few pictures and I thought, oh, okay, well, I'll have one page of Disneyland vintage pictures on my website. One page. <laughs> Not one whole and giant I, section split out into, into various subsections, categorized by year and attraction. It, it, is, it is crazy. Well, and I'm you know OCD on my organizational stuff because I like to be able to find things easily. And one page yeah. didn't do it. And, uh, yeah. So here I am years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're, you're a SoCal boy, right? I was born here, but I didn't grow up here. I grew up outside of Philly. Oh, okay. And so th- that probably explains why you didn't really go to the parks as a kid. You 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 came later in life to, to the, the Disneyland trip jacket. Was in 1970. Mm-hmm. So I would have been about, I would have been six. Okay. And then we'd come out to California every year. So maybe like every three or four years, we do a family trip to Disneyland. Because right. it was considered something special. Sure. It wasn't like today where you have the local residents that just kind of live there. I was going to say, you're using the past tense of it used to be something special. And uh, <laughs> I agree with you to a certain extent. I mean, it, it is 
it, and this is the kind of stuff I really want to talk to you about because if anybody that we've talked to on the show, aside from like you know former cast members, uh, I think you have a good a good take on on the park's transitional phases, which is basically the entirety of the of the park's history. But you know, you're used to looking at a lot of older photos, and then you know nowadays what the park has sort of become is it 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 feels very different to me, and I'm not I'm not even that like invested in in the history, I guess, uh, of it as, as you are. I mean, clearly you have, you have all these photos on your site, which by the way, if you guys are listening to the show and you're not driving, which who's driving anymore, uh, I want you to go and pull, pull up some of the photos and look, look at these photos with us, uh, davelandweb.com and go to the Disneyland tab. They're, they're just, they're, they're shockingly amazing. I mean, I, I don't even know another way to describe it. Well, the um, sheer amount of, photos in there and and the the span of years that they cross is is incredible yeah well and it's it's also it's almost like a mini wikipedia too because yeah. it's you got the backstory like for example i'm in the astro jet slash rocket jet slash astro orbiter uh page because it's in the a's that's what i do <laughs> um you have a little backstory and you have just a bunch of facts about the show or about the not the show but uh facts of the ride and, uh, you know, sometimes I think you even have, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have like the, sh- the spiel from the rides on here, don't you? Or did I dream that? Oh, yeah. I mean, over the years, I've gotten a hold of um, like tour guide scripts. Mm-hmm. So I think there was one, maybe 1962, where I just kind of interspersed that to the appropriate areas <laughs> <That's> <laughs> where great. it's about a certain attraction. Because yeah. of my website, I've had people that were cast members that write me, you know, oh, you know, I love, I love your, you know, there's the blog and mm-hmm. there's the website. So through both of them, I've gotten people to contact me. And I'll, first thing I always say is, hey, you want to share some stories? And, you know, I get about a 50-50 response. Some people will say, sure. And then I'll get an email that is just chock full of amazing stuff. Wow. Um, there was one guy from the early days. His nickname was Cox Pilot because he used to work at COX. He used to work at the uh, Cox Pilot Arena, which was in Tomorrowland. That was like a little circle where um, they would, you know, the kids that worked at the park would fly these model airplanes. <laughs> so it was a selling opportunity to sell the, the planes to the guests, but it was also an opportunity for a show. This guy worked there in like 55 or 56 or whatever. He had the most incredible memory. I mean, some people will tell you their memories and be like, yeah, I'm not sure that's quite right. (laughs) He was spot on every time. I got to know him just online through email for years. He would have comments about the restaurants, about the attractions, amazing background information and then his family let me know that he passed. Ooh. This was a few Aww. back, which was so sad. I never got to meet this guy, but I felt like I did know him. Yeah. And throughout my website, you'll see things like Cox Pilot Remembers. Oh, okay. Um, That's him. Aww. I love that. Just the nicest guy and shared so many photos that were incredible. One of many that I've virtually met or have actually met in person because of my site. That is the neat thing about the internet. I mean, say what you will about it. It's, it can be a cesspool and it can be, you know, used for, for evil, nefarious things, but it also, it does at its core sort of bring people together, especially people who never would have, who have met otherwise. And that is sort of, depends on how you use it. 
That's true. Yeah, sure. yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I was looking through your site a little bit ago, and I do like a lot of these little interviews you have. And one sort of jumped out at me. It was uh, a former cast member talking about, I believe, the um, the mine train ride. And they they just dropped this little nugget of like, oh, yeah, was, you know, they, we had a recording for our spiel, but we didn't really use it. We just made it up as we went along. And I thought that was pretty amazing. I was like, this is, that's something that I've never really heard. I mean, you heard that sort of like with the Jungle Cruise. If I could just imagine, uh, you know, a normal like a retail workspace, like a Starbucks. It's like, well, he can do it. Why can't, (laughs) why can't we at the Jungle Cruise make stuff up too? You know what I mean? But it's that kind of stuff. Even way back when the mine train was running, you still had Disneyland sort of being this avant-garde is not the right term, but it is sort of theater <laughs> troopy. Like we just need to put on a good show. Yeah. But now I don't think you can really do that. You know, can you imagine? I, day, it was less corporate. Yeah. You had more of an opportunity to do those kinds of things and you could get away with it under the radar today. Mm-hmm. There is so much micromanaging, which again, I understand because when you get to be that big, you have to worry about, providing an identical customer service experience. You don't want anyone going off the script and offending somebody. There are so many different things you have to think about that back in the day, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but one thing I definitely want to talk about. Yeah. I had an opportunity to speak at Disneyland in the, um, for the cast members. I forget. It was at the TDA building or whatever, did a presentation. Okay. They were doing one on, um, ladies of the sixties that worked at the park mm. And uh, it was just incredible to hear these ladies talk about what it was like to work back in the day, things you don't even think about. So one lady talked about how for the Matterhorn, when she worked on it, yeah. parents yeah. could take their kids, like their babies, hand them to a cast member, go on the ride, and pick up their kid at the end of the ride. Wow. Amazing. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I, I think about that. Today, oh my oh, gosh! Geez. I get the feeling that wasn't even like an advertised thing. It was just no, like, no, it, "Here's my baby." Just, yeah, they just did it. Yeah. <laughs> wow! I think I would hand my kid off and go on the ride, <laughs> and they'd be looking for me a few hours later. <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, I'll be in Carthay after the ride. But sir, the ride gets—it's this Matterhorn. What are you doing? Yeah, I know, but uh, he's with <laughs> yeah. you. He likes you. It's fine. <laughs> And, you know, you could get away with that kind of thing back then because you didn't have to worry about stuff as much. You didn't have to worry about your kid getting molested or things like that. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Creepers. Yeah. Yeah. The front gate, ladies were not permitted to work there. I can't remember. I think it was definitely after dark. It may have been like 6 o'clock. Women could not work at the entrance gate, and that was a protection thing for them. Walt did not want them being there after dark. Didn't feel that it was safe for them. See, and and that's and that's I think where you get into sort of the uh, I, here's here's my thing, Dave. What I do is I I I come up with phrases and then I couch it by saying it's not really what I mean because you know I do this for a living, so I should talk normally. Um, but it's like juxtaposition, but it's not really juxtaposition of the the statement you just said earlier and the statement there where it's like, well, you didn't have to worry about your kid getting snatched from Disneyland, but as a woman, it wasn't safe for you to work past six at the front gate. It's a very they were still, they were trying to figure that stuff out too. It sounds like you know, like what I chalked that up because they did say that pretty much came from Walt as an old school chivalry thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the the one that 
really kind of made me cringe. And then I felt bad for, for the women that worked there at the time. It was policy that a woman could not be a lead. So let's Ooh. say you're on the Peter Pan attraction. Yeah. The lead yeah. always had to be a male. So if the guy was sick, even if the woman that had been there had, you know, five to 10 years of experience, she could not step in as a lead. They would have to get, you know, some schmuck from another area in the park, a man to take over as lead. And that one, I'm like, that to me, you would have thought that Walt could have seen past, (laughs) if you want to call it sexism at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can call it that. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good word. That that kind of seems stupid. But the rest of it, I could kind of see, you know, the chivalry or just the sign of the times. You have to look at it through the lens of the times. But that one seemed pretty dumb to me. That one is that is pretty ridiculous. That's that old school mentality. And, you know, you're right. I would feel bad listening to these ladies, too. But like, you know, and especially at the time, what do you do about it? Either you don't work there because you're not going to tell your boss that this is unfair. It just is what it is. Right. Either you work there and you deal with it or you leave. But, you know, nowadays there's there's a lot more freedom of expression in the workplace when it comes to stuff like that. And a lot of a lot of different ways to put pressure on employees, employers, excuse me, to change these dumb policies. None of these ladies were better. It was very entertaining and they were laughing about it. It was just kind of that's the way it was. That's the way it was. I would say that today, Knott's Berry Farm, you know, they obviously are not as popular as Disneyland. You can still find some elements of the unexpected hmm. there. I mean, they still have a stagecoach ride. Wow. Things like that at Disneyland. I think it's like the pack mule ride You're at right. Disneyland. Right. You could never have something like that today because of safety and regulations. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that I miss, the unexpected. Okay. I see. Like uh, maybe an element of danger sort of. Like this is not... <laughs> safe yeah it's like riding the camel at the fair at the county fair like i don't really know this (laughs) giant animal who's been cooped up for two weeks in a train car yeah like child on it for five minutes but legally i get it i understand why they they are the way that they are yeah and you sort of have to and it took me personally a long time on this show as people can attest to that it's uh you know to to just come to terms with that because I want Disneyland to be what I want it to be, but that would, you know, and again, you could look at the show for verification that wouldn't make too much money if Disneyland was the way I wanted it to be. So it, you know, for, on the one hand, it's like, okay, cool. You know, we got Marvel now. That's, you know, that's great. But, uh, there's something comforting about looking through your site honestly, and like looking at these old photos and seeing how Disneyland was, I mean, just, even just not, not even talking about the rides, but like the foliage and the tree sizes and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's like driving down your, uh, your childhood street mm. 20 years later, you know, um, like uh, the other day or a couple months ago, we drove down through the, the town I grew up in. It was like all these trees when I was living here had like sticks in the ground to hold them up because they were so, and now they're just overgrown and whatever. And it's just like, it's sort of, weird displacement anxiety or something like that. But uh, your site is really, is, is really cool for the, for that. When you go to the parks, do you sort of make those comparisons in your head because you've seen these photos or do you just accept Disneyland for what it is and have a good time in the current space? 
that make sense? Well, you know, as you and I discussed, it's been over five years since I've been in the park. Yeah. But previous to that, when I used to go, I was always comparing. Um, my I don't buy as many slides, the vintage slides, as I used to. But when I do now, it's because I'm trying to fill in a gap in my collection, whether it's a view that I don't have yet. Oh, um, interesting. Or when I would go, you know, in the 2004 on, I would try to take comparison shots because I love to see what yeah. those changes are. If they've kept the same foliage, there are a few trees, I think, that are still there that are original. A lot of them have been switched out. And when Walt first built the park, he didn't really have the money to put in mature landscaping everywhere. So it's funny to see, you know, like the chicken wire fences and the little tiny scraggly uh, flowers and things that he had <laughs> planted. I mean, he did his best, but yeah, some yeah. of the place it is uh, pretty barren. But within a year or two, you know, completely different world. For sure. I read somewhere, I think it was, I don't know, some, I forget where it was, but um, some of the landscapers at Disneyland were tied into like the local construction of the freeways during Disneyland. And so some of those trees were going to be scrapped from freeway projects, which I didn't know. And, you know, you sort of like, it sort of makes sense. You have this giant construction project on both ends of the, of the city One's getting rid of plants and the other is a desperate sponge yeah. <laughs> for plants. So you're, you're trying to fill in gaps in your collection. Tell me a little bit about that. Like, how do you, it's cool that you're at that point where you can be choosy maybe a little bit with what you, with what you put in to your collection, but how do you, how do you determine what else you need at this point? Because I would look at your website and go, I, I couldn't <laughs> think of a, of another thing to fit in there. Uh, I'll give you an example, and I actually ended up losing this auction on eBay recently. The omnibus, you know, the double-decker bus that goes down Main Street? Yeah. For a while there, it actually went up to the Matterhorn. Um, it, had a little, it went a little bit farther. Wow. And I do, I do have a few images that show that, but there was one that came up on eBay recently that was – an amazing color slide. And I was like, Oh, I got to get that. And you know, someone outbid me. Oh, but uh, it's, it's things like that where there's rare views where the Matterhorn is now used to be, they took the dirt from where the castle was, you know, when they dug out for that, for the moat yeah, and they put it where the Matterhorn is. And that was called, it was called like lover's lane, snow Hill, snow mountain, lookout mountain. It had like a number of different names before the Matterhorn. Yeah, was Holiday there. Hill as well. Yeah. There you go. That might have been the original name. But people could just kind of like walk up this little dirt mound. It had some pine trees and things. So whenever I find pictures of that, I like to get them too because it's it's things that you don't necessarily see in the park or are aware of. There's the view liner. That's probably my favorite um, extinct attraction at the park. It was only there for about a year or so. And that's what paved the way for the monorail. I just picked up two new views of that one. Oh wow. And well it's funny I did the on this show I did the history of the viewliner um a few shows ago and I definitely used your website to help me through that because there's not right. a ton of information out there on that. And so I had to really utilize the photos and and some of the information you had because it was like not a lot of people know about it. I mean, a, an attraction that's only there for a year is only going to have so much information. So yeah, I appreciate that. 
was, yeah, I echo that <laughs> remark. When you see pictures of people standing next to the view liner, you're like, how the heck do they fit into that thing? I'm I'm looking at one right now, and it's yeah, it looks very compact, uh, but also it just looks like a bunch of scrub brush right next to it. Like you know, there's like a, like a birched stick, and that's and that's the foliage. It is very. And that's the part that I love about looking at these old photos. Like I said, man, it's just, it's so like, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it seems amazing to me that uh, Disneyland, I don't know, became successful, I guess, just in this barren landscape. It seems very weird to me. The view liner is what I would call the quintessential Walt and change example. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted something futuristic. And I think that was Bob Gurr that put the view liner together, which basically was kind of a riff off of the arrow train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Bob yeah. Gurr put the thing together. Mechanically, I think they had a lot of problems with it. Um, it wasn't exactly what Walt wanted. But then Walt saw, like, the foreign other monorail in Germany. So he was like, okay, this is what I want. <laughs> so, you know, here you've gone to the expense of the track, the view liner, and Walt's like, no, we're going to improve it. We're going to get rid of it a year later. Whereas a lot of other places would say, uh, you know, do we really need to put the money into it? And Walt, nope, bye-bye, yeah. one yeah. year. This is it. You're absolutely right. A lot of places would go, well, we have this now, so figure out a way to use it. Either we yeah. cut it up for another ride or something like that, but we got we to gotta use the thing. It may, that makes no sense. Yeah, it seems cool. I mean, you know, looking at the photos, again, on the site, it's just there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of a lot of photos of the ride that was around for a year. That's like probably one of the maybe what you would guess maybe the the, the one of the least known about rides. Probably, yeah. I think it is the shortest attraction. The circus may have lasted shorter, but I think that the um, the view liner was probably the shortest attraction at the park that was there because it was completely removed. It wasn't like the the motorboats which kind of morphed into different things. Mhm. Right. The view liner was just gone. And then I had the thrill of talking to Julie Nixon Eisenhower, who was the first official passenger on the monorail. Wow. And that wow. thing, I mean, when you talk to Bob Gurr, too, that thing, like, was catching on fire right before the Nixon family got on there for the inaugural ride. <laughs> oh, jeez. So they were able to make the whole thing work. Yeah. I mean, behind the scenes, and just the ingenuity how fast things were done. You know, today a new attraction could take you know, five years to get the dang thing done. Sure. A year. Yeah. He just snaps his fingers and things happen. Well, and, and to like, I mean, I imagine they were up front with the secret service and her people and all that. You know, it's like, this thing is catching on fire, but maybe not. Maybe he's like, no, nope, we got it. Let's not say a word. <laughs> Everything will be fine. And if not, we have insurance. I, I mean, I don't really, well, and since we're talking about the the view liner, I also think it's really cool that on your website that you not only have the the photos of the Disneyland view liner, but also because of the history of it and like kind of where it came from, you also have um it looks like photos of the Las Vegas Aero Train, which is what it was based off of, which that I find really helpful. I think that I think it debuted in Chicago there was a Powerama exhibit or something like that, or Motorama. And I think that's where the Aero Train debuted, and maybe that's what inspired Walt. Mm. 
but it definitely, I mean, when you look at the design of the two, they're uh, kindred sisters or whatever you want to call it. But man, the one at the park, that thing was tiny. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, ran, looks- it ran right alongside the railroad at certain, certain junctures too. Oh yeah. You know what? Yes. There is a photo in here of those two side by side. Which is so hilarious because you see this tiny little view <laughs> view liner, and then yeah. the, the the train, which is a scaled version of a regular train, yeah. looks gigantic next to it. It really does, and I, I know, it looks about like to tip over. Yeah, well, you know what, and and we're talking a little bit about how the parks are sort of just you know printing money now and, and making it into sort of this money generating machine, but stuff like this. And this is something that we've lamented when we went to Epcot several years ago, and our friend Jeremy at SpectraRadio.us, of course, um, laments even now where there's no good merch, it feels like. And I feel like some of this stuff they can make merch out of and and sell, like a scale model of the train or T-shirt or something. Here's why they don't. The, the theory, they're, what they want to do is they want to put stuff on the shelves and they want it to sell right away. So that's why they put the plush, the cheap T-shirts, all that kind of crap, because it goes. The collectible stuff takes time. Hmm. So that means it's going to sit on the shelf. It's at a higher price point. The collectible stuff, even though they do it every now and then, they don't like that because it takes too long. That's why you don't see as many collectibles. Back in the, the 50th anniversary, yeah. The collectors were out looking for that stuff. It was hot. But uh, have you heard of Bob, it's either Olszewski or Olszewski, I think is how you pronounce it? No. Right around the 50th anniversary, he started putting out a model of Disneyland. So it was every so many months he would release, I think it was an N scale or Z scale or whatever, of the entire park. And the first part that he focused on was Main Street. So he would put out the castle one month. Then he would put out Central Plaza, then the Main Street Cinema. Okay. And the park, it was a love-hate relationship because even though the stuff eventually sold, it stayed on the shelf too long. And he told me that um, you know, he was kind of nervous about whether they would actually finish the first Main Street collection, Yeah. whether the park would. And, you know, sure, he did get the Main Street thing, then he started on Fantasyland, and then it petered out, and the park just kind of let it go. Man. They didn't want to put the money into creating this stuff, knowing that it would sit and sit. Even though it eventually gets sold, yeah, you don't well, want to have yeah, inventory. Yeah, if you can have the turnover and sell, you know, a hundred or thousands of Mickey Mouse plush toys, you're going to go with that as opposed to a two hundred dollar collectible. Yeah, yeah. I wonder it's if bad. I think now it's different though. I mean, now people are wanting to throw money at that park for the last couple of years. I mean, they had that that art store in downtown Disney, uh, but I guess it's not there anymore. So there's that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess you have a point. I think people like to look at that stuff, but oh, I only love you that, buy yeah. it. Yeah, well, the, the tip, if you let me, I buy consumer, it. <laughs> the, the typical profile of the Disney person, they don't buy that stuff it's the the diehards like me or like you mm-hmm. or the ones that know the history um it's you know it's not enough to support that stuff unfortunately so you hear that everybody if you see cool stuff buy it <laughs> <laughs> you gotta buy this stuff yeah i mean that is that's a good that's a good point that i mean that's the that place is, for that really stuff point. goes is ebay yes because what really happens does. is 
when people do discover it, it's usually about a year or two after it's been discontinued. There was, um, you know, at the end of the Haunted Mansion ride, those, what do you call them, the sconces with the hands that yes. have the, okay. Yeah. Disney did replicas of those. Oh, my God. And oh I think God. when they first sold them, they might have been selling them for like 75 or 100 Wow. A few years later, you could, you know, you could have gotten like six, seven, eight hundred dollars for those. Because by the time the diehards find out about them, yeah. they're sold out. Wow. Can you imagine so, can you imagine that flip? Oof. Throw seventy five into eight hundred. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Better than stonks, With man. Forget Dogecoin. <laughs> Sconce coin, man. Let's do it. Yeah, you know, I'm <clears throat> I, I see what you're saying because a, a few years back we sort of got into the um the Nightmare Before Christmas uh, holiday villages that uh, were put out by, um, I've, I want to say Hallmark. Hawthorne. Hawthorne, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're not cheap. I mean, they're not super pricey, but they're a couple hundred dollars. And, you know, in some of the, the, the more no, or the lesser known ones are, are even more. And they had a train at one point that's like $800 on eBay. I'm like, there's no way. Like, I like toys, but... I don't know. I like paying my mortgage a little bit better. <laughs> um, but yeah, that aftermarket is, uh, is nutty. It very much the is. The other thing that Disney has to go through when they do those high-end collectibles from the past, you got the diehards are like, oh, you didn't get the color of that right. Oh, you didn't include this or this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a T-shirt, you're going to sell it, and that's the end of it. But yeah. some of these diehard things... I, I would go to pick up those um, Olszewski collectibles at the park, and they would have lines of people. But when you would listen to the complaints about what was left out on those things, or they didn't get this right or that right, it's like, oh my gosh, people, are you kidding me? <laughs> I feel like you. I feel like Dave listens to our show. He listens yeah. to me talk because that's exactly what I would do. I would still buy the thing, but I would I would be handing my card, going, "Well, I really wanted the um, you know the the." you know, the horse tie up thing in the front. Like I really wanted that, the, the original color, but it's fine. Oh, sign here. Okay. Yeah. And then another thing I really wanted to, and they're <laughs> ushering me out the store. Yeah. The poor cast member doesn't care. Yeah. Two, <laughs> two men in white coats with an oversized butterfly net are chasing me. And I'm like, but I just wanted the sidewalk to be a little darker in this one square. And if you're selling something for 150 or more, the typical Disney person that goes to the part that's buying it, their expectations go crazy oh yeah they oh, don't yeah. want any paint flex they want everything perfect i mean there would be backup lines of people taking the stuff out of the boxes inspecting them and if it wasn't right you know the poor cast member oh. would have to find another oh. one that was i mean those cast members they can't pay those people enough i feel so bad for them they really can't yeah. they really cannot and they have to do it with a smile or they're gonna get a and car written back car, i can't Probably in one hand, I could count the amount of bad cast member experiences that I've had there. Same. For they're, sure. They're, they're it's incredible. incredible. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have bad cast member experiences because they expect too much out of the cast member. Yeah, I just don't like being told no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you mean I can't operate this right? I can't yeah. push the start button? That is rude. Let me talk to your manager, please, because I feel like that is incorrect. <laughs> It's definitely I can't take a wide stroller onto the Pirates of the Caribbean boat. Oh, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, it, this actually does float. Can I tie it to the back of the... 
<laughs> right? I don't trust anybody. My child is in it, but she can swim. It's fine. I just need to. Um, one question I do have, Dave, you, you, you said that you were uh, a little OCD in your, in your organizational uh, life online. How do you store the original photos of these? You, you know, have slides and after you scan them in and do whatever, how do you, how do you organize all your, your, your actual physical media? I have got a huge hard drive, external hard drives, that I usually will buy a new one. Every so many years, they come up with bigger hard drives for about the same price yeah. with the storage yeah. capacity. I think the current one I have right now is 24 terabytes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I thought we were crazy for having like a four. Yeah, we got a four. We're like, ooh. ooh we'll never use this. Digital <laughs> media. If that holds my Disneyland files and my regular when I do regular photography. Okay. But I will keep an original version of the scan that's untouched. What I put on my website, when I scan them, I do my typical quick cleanup Mm -hmm. where I do the color correction, remove a lot of the dirt and crap. But uh, I don't save a retouched version unless, I mean, I've been approached by people who are putting out books or other things where they will actually pay for digital versions. And then I will go in and do a really good cleanup. Nice. But for the most part, I clean it, keep the original file, and uh, that's what I store. What do you do with the with the physical slide? You sell it again? Uh, you don't want to know. I, I've got, it is like a, well, this little closet that I'm in where <laughs> I've got my computer thing. Yeah. It is like a hoarder's paradise of boxes and boxes of slides that I'm sure an archivist would just, you know, kill themselves over but so you don't you don't you're not as organized physically as you are digitally is what you're saying i started out being organized yeah but i mean i can't even begin to add up the amount of slides that i have and at some point like in the very near future i'd like to start selling them off because they're doing me no good sitting here collecting dust sure yeah absolutely Put them back into the circle, man. You know. Yep. Put them back on. Is eBay where you get most of that stuff? And do and do they come in lots or is it like individual things? You know, you used to be able to buy the lots because people didn't know what the hell they had. <laughs> yeah. You know, you you get your typical garage sale collector would go to a thing and oh, here's you know a bunch of dead grandma slides and we'll just put them on eBay. Yeah. Now people have a better idea. A lot of them have an overinflated idea. They'll put a slide of the castle from 1961 and price it at $100. And I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. That's weird. But, um, that would be hard because, it, I mean, how many photos are there of that castle in that era? There's a lot. People think, ooh, it's old Disneyland. I'm going to make a fortune off of this. Well, you know, that ship has kind of sailed. Yeah. So unless it's a really rare image... And I, I can't, I can't figure. It. So there are some things I think are super rare, and I'm able to get them for like twelve bucks. Maybe it's because no one else happened to be on eBay at that time. Mm-hmm. Then there are other things that I think, oh, I should be able to get that easily, and they'll go up to like seventy six, seventy nine, eighty, over a hundred for one wow. frigging image. Wow. Wow. What if, if so, you don't mind my asking, what's the most you've spent on a photo for your for the website? Oof. Here we go. Uh, Putting the man on the spot. I know. I just imagine it's probably a lot because some of those photos are just crazy. Well, 
there was one I can think of, and it was a vintage one of Steve Martin from 1957 oh, wow. when he worked at the park. Oh, my God. Wow. I spent 150 on that one. The I would, too. had no idea who really? it was or what it was. Really? And I, thought, I saw it online, and I thought, you know, they didn't have it for Buy It Now. Okay. It was with, like, a, a Disneyland brochure and something else, and I thought, you know, Someone's going to try to buy this for their brochure. They're not going to know what that photo is. So I wrote the person and said, hey, the picture in that slide is a friend of mine. <laughs> would, you, would, you, would you consider? Because, because he was. I, I met him through my website. Oh, oh nice. Cool. I mean, so, he's a friend um, to everybody, really. So I, I said, you know, would you consider an offer? And the person was kind enough and said, well, you know, what do you want to offer? I thought, ooh, I don't want to go too much and set off the alarm bells, but I also don't want to rip them off. So I said, would you take 150 and you can keep the Moonliner certificate and the brochure? Wow. The person said, sure. So I was like, yes. Wow, that's awesome. So, <clears throat> I... That to me was worth it because oh, he yeah. had been hunting and hunting for a picture of him working in the park as a guidebook salesman. You always see the one of him in the magic shop. Yeah. Yeah. He, I think he, I think he might have had one as a guidebook salesman, but he couldn't find it. So that became my mission to find one of him. And sure enough, you know, out of a clear blue sky, I found it. That's amazing. That is wow. amazing. And uh, yeah, I would definitely even even if he wasn't <laughs> looking for it. Uh, yeah, 150 bucks for Steve Martin. I love I love me some Steve Martin. I think that man is a is a national treasure and should be bronzed. Actually, he should be frozen in carbonite. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, you know, a non-original Disney IP here for a second, and he should be hung every day along with the American flag in in the flagpole. <laughs> That's what I think about Steve Martin. Dude, it just got so weird. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Steve Martin going, but frozen in carbonite, lifted up, flag waving? It's being majestic, Bev. I don't know why. With a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. Talking about the park, you know, back when he worked there in the day. Yeah. He went back. I think he was doing like an advertisement or some little promo film for the 50th anniversary. And I said, well, you know, what was it like? to go back to the park because in his book he had written about going back to Knott's Berry Farm and getting to walk around um, on his own. Mm -hmm. And he said that experience didn't really happen at Disneyland. Um, you've always got someone with you. It's not like you mm -hmm. can go wandering off backstage. Okay. I see. The security there so. is pretty, but at Knott's it sounds like he can just kind of just do whatever. Yeah, Knott's is a, is a whole different ball game. I've never been. I mean, well, that's not true. I went once as a little guy. I don't remember it. Um, but I definitely want to go as like a full walleted, you know, adult. <laughs> I definitely want to go. I love the ghost town. But the rest of it, they're never going to be able to compete with another theme park. So no. you can't. It's just kind of. It is it's what just it kind is. of crap rides. Okay. I hear the reason you go is for the fried chicken. The fried chicken is okay. Okay. All right. Wouldn't say it's any better than, than KFC, but it's all about the experience. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, that's and all that's I hear the, about it. The boysenberry pie. That's the oh, good. Yeah, okay. That, yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, getting back to your website for just a sec. What do you have a, a favorite era or, or even a favorite photo 
out of your what, thousands of photos, would you? Is that fair to say thousands of photos? Yeah, I don't even want to count them up. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I have one in particular that's mm-hmm. a favorite. Um, there was one that they used in a Toshin book, or ta- however you pronounce it. It was of uh, a lineup of cars. I think it might have been 1959, getting into the park, and it showed the the vintage Disneyland sign. Mm-hmm. And just to see the tail fins, that was kind of cool. I love the pictures of Black Bart in Frontierland, the villain from the 50s. Okay. I'm looking. I'd say my, you know, my, my favorite era for pictures is probably around 57, 58. You know, by 59, when the Matterhorn and the Submarine Voyage, I would say the park was starting to get a little bit slicker then. I just love seeing the park before it was slick. Yeah, because, you know, and obviously I wasn't there at the time, but uh, it was almost like a puzzle piece sort of coming together back then. You know, it was it was disjointed. It didn't f- flow like we would think it of it now, I think. But each, each land was separate. It was supposed to be that way yeah yeah now it's kind of lost the boundaries and i mean tomorrowland really started out as a crap land that was that was basically corporate sponsorship land because it was the last land that they built and walt had run out of money so he got all the corporate sponsors in there they put on their own little exhibits um that twenty thousand leagues under the sea (laughs) which was basically all the props from the movie that was considered an attraction. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and now, well, not now they've, they've done this forever, I guess, but like, there's a lot of, they'll just build over stuff. Like when they, when they redid the submarine voyage, mm-hmm. um, they just sort of built over the, you know, some of the, the, the octopus, I think it was. And they, when they converted to Nemo, they just built over it. Yeah. Or um, the, Nemo is a crap attraction. I will. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. Or like in, over in Disney World, um, I think it's the Buzz Lightyear ride. Now there was an older ride. Obviously, there was an older ride. I forget the name of the thing, but they just built the set in front of the old <laughs> thing. So if you go underneath like the the structure, you can see like the old wall with the painting and everything. That's funny. Just put over it. Well, you you know Monsters Inc. Yeah. I never went on the attraction that was there before. And, of course, this is California Adventure. Um, but originally it was, what, Hollywood Limo, I think? Yeah, uh, Superstar Limo Ride, I think is what it was. Superstar Limo. Yeah. So I never realized this yeah. when I went on Inc. They reused the animatronic skeletons. Oh, sure. Which, when you compare... Yeah, they the just old, redressed them. Yeah. <laughs> um, they did that for America Sings. They took those and put those on Splash Mountain. They took, you know, some of the old animals that were part of America's <laughs> Things in Tomorrowland, reused them on Splash Mountain on the uh, the showboat. On the showboat, yeah. Well, and they sort of have a history of reusing stuff. And like, like you know, uh, with with the uh, the blog that I wrote, which I need to do the second the second edition of, with photos all from from your side about what heads and haunted or in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean are exactly the same. They're just the same mold, just painted differently. It's kind of what yeah. they did. I personally am sort of anticipating them doing sort of the same thing when they change. Uh, what's the stupid water ride that I Splash hate Mountain. my life on? Splash, Splash Mountain. Mountain. Splash Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't think much is going to change animatronically there. It's just going to be like visually. You think so? They're just going to reskin everybody? Well, yeah, because if you think about it, like the reason I think that they're making that ride from what it is, well, there's many reasons, but I think it's an easy, um, it's an easy IP to put in. So they have the big steamboat, mm-hmm. which is also part of the movie. Like you're not going to have to change much there. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Princess and the Frog, Jason? Do you, do you know I what have. I'm talking no, about? I know what I'm talking. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I apologize. I am. Uh, okay. I'm reading no, a thing okay. that I'm about like, to talk about. So. I, you, I like you Princess and the know Frog. What you have and have not seen, so this is correct. I I have <laughs> seen Princess and the Frog, but I'll tell you what, Despicable Me three better. I just Princess watched that the for the first time today. Yeah, Despicable Me. Honestly, it's a good series. Despicable Me three <laughs> was really good with uh, Trey Parker as the uh, villain. It's funny, the, like the a kid from the eighties. That was so good. <laughs> that was Trey Parker. I had no idea. I mean, it sounded like oh, yeah, this sounds this voice. I've grown up with this voice. <laughs> anyway. So this is okay. Getting back to the to the site for a sec, Dave, and why it's not just photos, why it's so much more information than this. I'm on the Golden Horseshoe because you're talking about Black Bart, and I'm like, okay, I gotta let me look at this thing, and I'm I'm scrolling down, and there's a a blurb from a book or to the summer of a book or whatever, where this gal who used to work at the Golden Horseshoe thinks that her dad was the Black Dahlia murderer. What? Yeah, she was kind of a cuckoo. I mean, it's she's pretty much been, she's pretty much been disproved. It's kind oh, of sad. Okay, all right. Damn, that's too bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's disappointing from a number of reasons. But uh, what a weird Disneyland connection. She was a can-can dancer. So, so many of those. And here's another great one. This was just pure serendipity happenstance. I met the guy who was the son. Of the first Slewfoot Sioux, wow. Judy Marsh. Wow. Um, you don't ever really read about why she <laughs> quit after or left after a year. Uh huh. Um, there was a little. What happened? Let's, let's just call it morality issue. Or um, at the time, or today, no one would would give a crap about it. But back then, they did. Mm-hmm. So she was silently left what was that what happened and then you know, who was oh god who was a um, betty what was the name of the lady it was um, for years betty um see this is the thing i should know this and i don't i should know this too because it's on my damn website <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you should know more than i do you should feel worse than i do right now you also have seven billion photos on there so we're gonna give you this one you're good <laughs> Betty is a, um, she's a legend. Betty Taylor? Betty Taylor. Okay, yeah, I think that's right. Good job, Taryn. I looked it up. I'm yeah, of course you did. Smart. For sure. <laughs> well, what was the morality? I mean, can you not, you don't want to go into it? Uh, yeah, I don't. Okay, that's fair. I don't know for, I don't know for, well, I mean, I mean, I know her son doesn't really want that out there. Okay. Fair enough. We can, but, but I will say it's not a big deal. We can we can probably infer a lot, <laughs> especially from back from back then. Yeah, to yeah. With, uh, pregnancy or anything like that. But um, just just one of those sure. things that back in the day it would have been considered something very dark, very taboo, and yeah, I got gotcha. you. 
Um, do you get a lot of people like emailing in saying, Hey, this is like my great uncle Milton or whatever. <laughs> like I just happened to see, and that's really cool because you do have a lot of, it's, it's like family, you know, just, just random people in there. Every now and then I do. There was one, and God, I feel guilty about this one. His mom, she was on the, um, she was like a spokesperson for the crane bathroom of tomorrow back in the fifties. And I had a beautiful, well, I have a beautiful color shot of her. Yeah. Uh, he and his sister came out here and I interviewed them. This was years ago. Oh, wow. my gosh. They were so generous. I scanned a lot of stuff. I've got all the notes. I still got to put it together and post this stuff. I mean, because this isn't my job. Right. Sure. But it's one of those things that here years later, I haven't put it out there. It's so much great information. Um, I met the people. Their father was in the band that played at the Carnation Plaza Gardens. Um, gosh, his name escapes me now. Um Anyway, he played there in like the 60s, and they had total free run of the park. So, oh, my God, I loved hearing their stories. Oh. Wow. Um, they were super. I got, to, I got to go to the park with them, This and this was right before they ripped out the Carnation Plaza Gardens yeah. and put in the Fantasy Fair. Yeah. So, I don't know if you know Tony Baxter very well, but... Not at all. I mean, just by <laughs> here reputation. I am, here I am with a son... And the daughter, what was it, the, the what brothers? My, my memory's just gone down the toilet during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> Same, brother. Whatever, they, they, were, they were brothers that, that had a band that played at the Plaza Gardens all the time. Here I am with, with the kids. One of my friends that we were walking the park with knew Tony Baxter. He went over and told Tony, who was right nearby, checking out the Plaza Gardens before it got ripped out and said, hey, you know, we've got the son of so-and-so. He couldn't even come over and say hello. Oof. Wow. That was kind of BS. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, I, I've I've heard some things, but uh, it's not my place to, you know, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, I've met the guy and I have my opinions on him. Yep. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. No, I would love, we've tried to book him a few times, but it's just, it's screaming into a, you know, into a void at that point, especially with the, a lot of the big name guys, which I get, I don't understand how I, we I would make a guess that if Tony Baxter got on your show, he would tell the same five stories. <laughs> yes. And, uh, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I'm a little afraid of that. I'm, I would be a little nervous about that because it's like, okay, what do you want to, you know, rip into? Cause like, you know, we had Roly crump on, and the the mistake I made with that interview was basically using his book as like a template for the interview because I assumed that's what he would want to do. <laughs> and I think he just got bored and was like, I'm tired. I got to go. But or he, you know, he kept saying, it's, it's all in my book. This is my book. It's my book. And I'm like, I think I'm blowing. This. I mean, <laughs> shoot. See, now I got to go back and edit that out. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I would, I would definitely be concerned about that. Uh, you know, honestly, it's like how many other people know this uh, story, but also he's been interviewed hundreds of times over the last 20 yes. years. He probably has told everything. It's just like, what, what section of my brain should I ring out for you guys into the microphone? Yeah, some of them just get used to trotting out the same stories because they're the ones that the, the corporation approve of. Yeah. I mean, the interesting stuff he might actually know and be able to tell. He probably wouldn't. Sure. Yes. Right. <laughs> now, Bob, Bob Gurr, he 
I mean, God, I haven't seen him in years, but he's like a verbal diarrhea. He'll he'll say anything. I would love to talk to Bob Gurr too. He's another guy we you reach out brilliant. to, but yeah, I know bucket, bucket list. Bucket list. Dude. I don't yeah. know what kind of shape he's in these days because I mean he's got to be up there. He's up there for sure. <laughs> but in the days that I talked to him, he was just. I mean, I sat down next to him at dinner one time, and the guy, it just blew my mind. Um, I, of course, you know, in my brain was trying, oh, my God, i got to write this down and put this on my website. You record everything. The mechanics of the monorail, of the view liner, the, the Utopia vehicles. Yeah. Um, you, know, you know, there was the whole thing where they replaced the monorail. God, when was that? They did a complete revamp, and... It was like monorail. Was it like up to ten, number ten or number twelve now? Mm-hmm. When they first brought out the new vehicles, which were built, I think, in Canada or someplace else, they didn't fit on the track. <laughs> oh no! Um, and you know what Bob Gurr told me is that these dumbasses, instead of talking to him who did the original design, mm-hmm. you know, he knew. Mm-hmm all the stuff that had to be adjusted and shimmied what worked and what didn't work. Um, You know, this place in Canada based it on, you know, incorrect drawings or they didn't know all the things. And boy, Disney had to put in a lot of money to make these vehicles that they purchased fit and work correctly. You know, they didn't stay on the track, right? Um, God, they didn't design them with air conditioning and the windows weren't, I mean, people would just like boil up on this this new uh, monorail. So Ooh. that thing was a complete PR catastrophe. It sounds like Yikes. it. And to hear Bob Gurr talk about it, that guy, he was sharp as a tack at that time. They should have listened to him. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. And you know, it's funny you mentioned like the you know kind of shapes and whatever. Like you know, we Rolly was having some hearing problems, so his wife was translating basically what yeah. we said back to him. Which was very hard interview. That was tough. I don't pat myself on the back more ever, but I was pretty happy with with how things were going with there. But he's one of those guys that I would love to have talked to five years previously, because yeah, he's I don't such think he's in great shape now, from what I understand. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, this was a couple of years ago too, so I can imagine he's not doing well. But I don't know if you read his book. Um, I have not. Read it. I just. The only thing I have was the exhibit, which I thought was incredible. His book is cute as hell. I highly recommend reading it because he tells just the most amazing stories. I mean, this man lived, he rode his motorcycle in to drop off a date at the, at the secretary, you know, desk or whatever, like in the building, he rode his motorbike in the building and then just left. It's like, Oh, that's just, uh, that's just Rolly being Rolly. Uh, he had this swagger and it's like, you, you it could, it, it still came through even though it was, you know, sort of a game of telephone. And it's just like that, that's one of the guys that I would really love to sit down and have a drink with and, 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 and talk to a little bit. Cause he just didn't care. I mean, he cared, but he was good at it, but he just, he had a different. Because under Walt, I think he could have really had a great place in the park. But once Walt died, he was just too wacky and too creative yeah. for the corporate people there. And they didn't know what to do. And, no, and then yeah, he, what, what a waste. I yeah, exactly. And they were they were going to bring back some of his you know artworks and artworks. stuff for the for the Haunted Mansion you know mm-hmm. revamp or whatever. And then that got nixed. And it's just I feel I feel I feel bad for the guy's career because he has brilliant stuff. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'm telling you, if you made, if the parks made, I know we already covered this, this rant, but if the parks made like that dripping wax man guy as a figure, thousands of dollars would <laughs> yeah. be, would be, I mean, it's just it's like, that's the kind of stuff people look for. And people get tattoos of that stuff. It's true. That one chair where the, the, the night um, is yeah. on the, on the mansion, that's about the only thing that's really stands out is, oh, wow. Now there's Rolly. Hmm. I'll have to look at that. I'm I'm pretty sure that was his design. If you look at it, yeah. it's kind of got like a face in the mm-hmm. seat back. Yep. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll be right back on Ears Up. And now back to the show that's more fun than waiting in line for Peter Pan on a hot August Anaheim day. Ears Up. Dave, I do want to get to, he's <laughs> sort of been just, I don't know, feel, I feel like we've been catching up, like we haven't <laughs> seen each other in five years, and so we're just catching up. So it's, I've been having a great time, but I do want to talk a little bit about some of the other aspects of your website, because you're not just Disneyland guy. You have fo- like actual photography. Is that what you do for, for a real job, for lack of a better nope. term? Um, that's a side gig for me. That's a passion. Side gig. You just love, you love photography. Your photos are great. I love photography. And, you know, the parks, back when I used to go all the time, which was up until 2016, those parks are amazing playgrounds for so many different kinds of, of photographs that you can take. I mean, that, I would say, is where I really learned to uh, increase my photo knowledge of how to take good pictures mm-hmm. in the park. You got the dark rides where things are super dark, so you have to learn how to work with the low light. Because, you know, back when I first started going to the park, I thought, ooh, I'll take a flash picture and then I can get everything. I can see everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've I've sat behind you in rides, I'm sure. Right. You probably did. And, uh, you know, I got cursed out by people. And I didn't really understand because I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm getting great pictures. But then, you know, when you use a flash, you take away the lighting effects. So I think it was around maybe 2008, 2009 when I stopped using the flash and used existing lighting. And then you can actually kind of capture what you would experience on the ride and right. not have people pissed right. off at you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the, yes, yes, you're absolutely right. The The ride is lit specifically f- so you could see from your angle what they want you to see. They don't want you, you to see the studs. When it breaks down and yes. you have to walk off. Yes. That happened to me on Indy. Yes. That happens all the time on that one. <laughs> well, so yeah. when they do that and they turn the lights on, yeah. what yeah. a Debbie Downer it is to see the ride <laughs> in the light. It's like, ooh. Yeah. First of all, it looks dirty. Yeah. And you see that, you know, it's basically a lot of just flat paint and special effects that, are pretty uh, pretty low tech, but man, when you put the lights on and turn the and uh, it's just magical. Yeah, like the 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 lava bubbles, you know, in the throne room or whatever. They're just they're like blown plastic. It's like uh, you know, oh. like semi semi tan or almost opaque, sort of like blow form plastic with like a light underneath, and then you have fog coming over it. But I when had to walk up the haunted mansion, and that was a thrill. Oh God, yeah, I don't want to tell you, you know, but uh, Terrence and I got a backstage <laughs> tour once. 
uh, and we got to see some things that I can't talk about. But uh, there, I will say that there is a condom dispenser in the cast member bathroom of Honda Mansion, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I, if I had 25 cents, you better believe I would have bought one of those things. <laughs> you just tack it right up on the wall like a friggin' <laughs> raccoon tail. Here you go. This is my hat. It's made entirely of condoms from the bathroom of Honda Mansion. <laughs> you can make money off of that. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Definitely. Um, well, I'm sad that you don't go to the park anymore. Um, you know, after 2016, um, previous to that, I knew a guy who was able to get me into Club 33 yes. pretty much whenever I wanted to go, Hell which yeah. was nice. Yeah. Um, and then he quit the club just because of changes there and how he wasn't treated and everything just, it just seemed like the park was all about the cash register. Yeah. And I just kind of got disenchanted and I thought, you know, I'm not going to be one of those people that annoys me where I complain about, you know, I'm just going to stop going and I can spend my money and, you know, maybe I can't go see the Grand Canyon diorama, but. I should go see the Grand Canyon. Hmm. So I started hmm. traveling to other places. I would like to go to the park, but I wanted to wait long enough to where it would feel special again to me. Yeah. I had gone so much over the years. I think I got really burned out to where instead of being able to go there and just enjoy it, it just became a chore to me. Yes. And Disneyland should not be a chore. I feel the same. We've talked about this on this show of several times where it's, you know, for a while, Taryn and I were going, we would go for the weekend. And it's like, what a, just, we had no soul to give to the five. It just, it's like, it ate it all both ways. And, you know, but we would do it six times a year because we had annual passes because, yeah. and then, so you work that out in your head and you go, okay, well, the fifth time's free. Well, then we got to go four more times this year to really just stick it to the mouse. Um, but yeah, then it became a chore. And especially with the show, it became a job and it just kind of stunk. And so we and stopped going. I am not a crowd person. So my typical day at Disneyland, I mean, I like to spend the night up there so I can get there at the crack of dawn. Yeah. And then by the time it's about 11 o'clock, I'm done. And the morning... I usually go back maybe around like seven or eight at night. Okay. When the kids start leaving. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I had my pattern down pat as to how I would be able to enjoy the park. And then I also spoiled myself. There are maybe six, seven, eight times that I went to the park in the last few years and I did the VIP experience. Ooh, and once you experience cool. the park that way, yeah, it is. Hard to go back. Yeah, dude, I know. It's like seeing a concert backstage. You're like, well, I can never do. I can never go out there with the plebes again. I gotta sit. Exactly. You know, and you know, it's it's not that you're being snobby, but when you're able to walk onto a ride, not have any weight. Um, gosh, the amount of rides we went into <laughs> for the six hours or whatever I was there. Oh man, it was incredible. Oh. Incredible. I and, and you know, now when you go back, <laughs> oh wow, I rode six rides today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. When, when you went to Club 33, was that pre or post? Um, let's oh. just call it Renaissance because well, 
people get very sensitive now about how I talk about these things. First time I went to Club 33, I think, was in 2001. Yeah. And I went quite a bit back in before the remodel. So I experienced before and after. And I'll I'll leave it at that. And I will yeah. say as much as you want me to say about my we, opinion. Brother, I want you to, to <laughs> as the kids say, go off, King. Um, we, we had the pleasure of going, of doing both as well. You know, Bev, Terrence, if you guys are going to laugh, I need to hear it. Okay. I need, I need some positivity. I need some, <laughs> these are all muted. Um, uh, yeah. Like the trophy room, just killer. Just the vibe was so cool. And then so, you know, before the, the remodel, yeah, I would say that the biggest selling thing about club 33 at that point, um, two things. Mm-hmm. One, when you always hear about, oh, it's the only place at the park that you can have alcohol. Well, okay, that's great. But to me, that wasn't the big selling point. The big okay, selling point was the history of Walt. You had the trophy room. Yeah. You knew that he did pick out most of the furnishings that were in there. And even though Club 33 isn't necessarily my decor taste, it's kind of like the, the Walt Victorian Main Street, overstuffed, overdone, lots of antiques. It was Walt. Right. So you're experiencing history. As far as the food goes, you could probably go to any rest. Well, not any restaurant, but a lot of other restaurants pay the same amount and have a better meal. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, The staff that was there, I would say they were okay, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them have been grandfathered in. And I would say that you would have a mixed bag there of experiences. It was not a, high-level customer service experience, but it still kind of felt cool. Sure. After the remodel, they basically put a Mimi's Cafe in there. (laughs) Um, I mean, that's what it looked like to me. It looked like a cross between Mimi's Cafe and Key West. Oh. Um, Wow. You could see where they shoehorned. I mean, you know, Disneyland doesn't have a huge footprint. Right. And they maxed that footprint out. And when I went back in there, I was like, you know, the best part I thought was the jazz lounge. Yes. Yes. Very much all the way. 100%. The light fixtures. That's where we went, right? Yes. That's where we went. Yeah. At Home Depot. It was just a really bad. It was like Kim Irvine's idea of Art Nouveau. But still, I thought there were possibilities. But the fact that they had that piano there and there wasn't live jazz, what the hell? <laughs> what a missed opportunity. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, I mean, I like the fact that it can like stream live music from anywhere in the world. But it's like, I, I never even thought about, you know how many jazz quartets would love to play the jazz lounge every night <laughs> in the in L.A. area? It's true. And then the fact that eventually Club 33 when they did the splitting of the membership, when they came up with the tiers, mm-hmm. you know, the lowest tier Club 33 member could not go into the jazz lounge, I think, unless they were eating dinner. So, you know, there became even more levels where you would have to pay more to go into the jazz club. A hierarchy of Club 33 yeah. memberships. Yeah, there was the, <laughs> the, the stupidest statement I've ever made. <laughs> the other membership level would give you access to, uh, what's the one over in 19, DCA? 1901. 1901. Yeah. 
Which is a cool place. It, well, it's a cool place for one visit. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because then, then after, after it, then it, it, it looks like a dimly lit um, hotel lobby. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's Carthay on steroids. It's Carthay Lounge on steroids. It's Carthay Lounge after steroids. Or like you've you've done it's like post workout. <laughs> so my you favorite know, part was the bathroom. Yeah, the yeah, bathroom. The bathroom. Yes. Even a club thirty three remodel, I thought the bathroom was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, but, it's been my dream to be a club thirty three member, even though we make nowhere near enough money to do so, but it would just be fun to do the thing, right? And um but then I went to the jazz club. Because like you, I was like lucky enough to, to to get an invite, and I'm like I would just go here. <laughs> I don't want to eat in the dining room because it is very like bone white and gold, and it's like something out of Trump Plaza or something. I'm like I don't want to. I don't need this. I don't need a, a Chateaubriand. I just want 15 absinthe drinks and the paintings to come alive. But see, they don't want people sitting around there, right? Right, because they're making money that way. So I think it was the second to last time I was in the jazz club, and this is what really turned me off about it. I was sitting with a large group of people, and I think this, yeah, this was the same night I was with a guy that was a member who was no longer a member. Okay. We are sitting in the jazz club before our dinner, so we were actually, you know, going to buy our dinner and spend out the ass for another, uh, who's the chef now that is the oh, chef for all the I forget his. I forget his name, man. I Andrew, want to say. Andrew Sutton. There you go. Wolfgang Puck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emerald Legacy. So you, you can get the same menu at all these places. But anyway, we're in the lounge. We had our drinks. And, you know, they had the little thing of nuts or whatever that you'd be eating. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were still, still had the nut dish or whatever. And I think someone had picked it up to take it with us so that, you know, they could finish the nuts. Sure. A cast member that worked in there took the dish, put them in a napkin because they were afraid that someone might take the dish. You know, at the prices you're charging for a Club 33 membership, if you can't afford a bleeping nut dish, (laughs) that to me was just like, how rude. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Are you pinching pennies that much? The insinuation (laughs) is uh, pretty gnarly. It it was pretty, uh, and I hate to use the overly word term these days, but it was pretty offensive. Yeah. We we all got a good chuckle. Ooh, don't want to lose that nut dish. <laughs> wow. I mean, to be fair, I took the paper coasters that said Club 33. Oh, sure. You got to do that. Yeah, that's a paper the coaster. That's what they're there for. I mean, look, I took the drink stir with the old Club 33 logo on it. Like I took tampons from the bathroom. That that's weren't right. Even, <laughs> they didn't even say Club 33. They weren't even branded. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You know, I, I think they charge, and of course I'm out of touch because I haven't really talked to anyone about this for years, but back then I think it was, was it 40000 initially for a membership, and then your dues every year annually I think were maybe like five to $7,000 a year, which did not cover your meals. No, no. it just gets you in the door. So if, you're, if you're charging that much, and you can't afford to let some toilet paper or a napkin <laughs> or a nut just go out the door, you need to look at your business model. They should yeah. be handing everybody who leaves a nut dish. <laughs> Here's your nut dish. Thank you for coming. Have a good day. Don't break it on the teacups because you don't get another one. 
<laughs> Absolutely. It doesn't include your like your park tickets either, does it? The, or did it include a pass? It used to. So back in the day when I was using my friend's membership, when I had dinner at Club 33, that included um, the ability to park at the Grand Californian. And I think I got two passes into the park or however many people we were having at dinner, mm-hmm. they could get a free pass into the park. Well, when they split off into the different levels of membership, did not include passes to the park. I think the members were, were given a limited amount. So, yeah, they just got really super cheap. That's a shame. It really is. I mean, because yeah. it, it is a cool thing, but, uh, you know, I don't know, man. It's uh, yeah, only it is the last dollar that you spent. And I think that's a really sad way to feel about Disneyland. Yeah, that kind of is, that kind of depressed me now. Because <laughs> you know, you're my, right. My friend didn't want to let his membership go because, let's just say he decided to take a year off, he would have had to pay that initial forty or fifty or whatever it is. Oh wow! To rejoin, it's like life insurance, man. Yeah. If you let that lapse, you're that's it. We got your money now. Yep. We got to redo it. There, there, there is no loyalty, no loyalty club there. Wow. Yeah, and that was the hard part for us, even just with annual passes, which is, I mean, you're talking Geo Metro to a Bugatti at that level, right? <laughs> but it's like, we used to get calendars. Man, I've complained about this so much on this show. We used to get calendars, and they were like small. They were like half a sheet of paper, but they were cool, and they were free. You don't get anything. And they, I think there was a, was it 20% off? You would get a, I used to get a 20% off yeah. merchandise certificate. Yep. Every year I re- renewed, but you know, they don't want those annual passes. They don't make money on that stuff. It's, no. it's those are the people that sit in the park and complain. Yeah. Or start podcasts and complain. Too true. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, one last thing. I One last thing I do want to mid. Go ahead, Dave. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, you know, those are the ones that take the pictures of the peeling paint and post them on the website. <laughs> yeah. Look at what's needed. Like, wasn't there one, some website, I forget when, maybe years ago, I think they're still around, but they don't do this, where it's like, here's a list of things that I saw at the park last time, and this is the maintenance sheet, and we're going to keep a record until they <laughs> fix the park. And it's like, are you serious right now? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? They don't, they don't owe you anything, dude. Like, it's still a business. We still... Have employee shortages. Yeah. It was weird. To me, that was weird. If um, you don't like it, don't go. Yeah, if you don't like it, don't go. That's sort oh, of... with your pocket. That's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm about, too. Um, and then last but not least, of course, on your site, you also do paintings. And I wanted to bring up the paintings because they're fabulous. Thank you. They're great. I mean, they're what do you what would you say your your style is? I was trying to like figure it out, but I'm not very smart. I would say photorealist. Photorealist. Okay. Mixed in with a lot of Andy Wall. Yeah. I I love pop culture. Um, I don't paint very much just because it's hard for me to find the time to sit my butt down and, and do it, but I do love to paint. They're fantastic. Thank you. I love that Pee Wee Herman one. Yeah, the Pee Wee Herman one's great. I mean, not just... It's it's to get bored with. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, yeah. Look, even the nude one is good. I'm just going to say that, you know, (laughs) that's my desktop wallpaper now. Um, Yeah, these are great, man. And you do commissions, too. I don't know if you still do, but wow, okay. I do. That's that's when I paint, when I get the commission. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. I feel you on that. Um, I one... During COVID, um, 
this gal sent me a picture of her grandparents, which I normally like to do people that I'm familiar with, but hey, it was good money and I did it and it was awesome. Nice. Do you get any re- weird requests for that? Like, like, uh, here's my dead dog. So I need you to paint like me riding my dead dog into battle, like a dragon or something like that. Like something weird and fantastical. You know, um, the same person that had me do the grandparents or yeah. her parents or whoever it was. Yeah. She wanted some idea and I'm not going to go into detail what it was. It was just one of those things where it's, it wasn't really my wheelhouse or my interest level. And if I'm not interested in it, I can't really do a good job. And I thought, you know, I'll put together a, a real quick Photoshop version of what I think she wants. <laughs> and sure enough, she didn't care for my interpretation, which was fine. Yeah. But you know, there's some people they want everything in the kitchen sink in a painting and it just, <laughs> Yeah, doesn't really. I want I want a, a, a an artistic you know interpretation of all of my thoughts exploded onto the canvas at <laughs> once. I want. I, I had a um, more is more person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, look, Dave, I've kept you. I think probably a little too long, um, so I will let you go. But before I do, we have like a, a seven questions thing that we like to ask uh, the guests. Um, it's sort of like my rip off of actor studio inside the actor studio or they're thought provoking and very internalizing, you know, short answered questions. But, uh, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind, if you still have a couple of seconds, we can, all right. Uh, what's your favorite Disney attraction? I would say definitely the haunted mansion. Haunted mansion, my brother. All right. What's your least favorite Disney attraction? Past or present, whatever you want. At Disney if you World, need help, um, Autopia. <laughs> <laughs> at, at Disney World, and I don't go there much, and the last time I was there was 2010, there was one, it was in Tomorrowland. What was the name of it? The um, Was it Stitches? or mm, yeah. Oh, uh, Lilo and Stitch um, Surf or something, whatever it's called. It was some crappy thing where you're, you sit... It probably was once like a rocket to the moon type thing where you sit in the seat and stitches escaped. Oh my God, that was a piece of <laughs> um, Thanks, that, that one just stands out in my brain at Disneyland. Nemo, Nemo's probably, that one is just a complete turd. Yeah. Small world. Uh, I mean, that one, I just can't get that song out of my brain when I ride through it. So no. it's not my favorite. But I, I do appreciate the whole Mary Blair, Rolly Crump thing on it, but mm-hmm. it's not, not my favorite to go on. Um, Atopia probably was great back in the day when the ride wasn't on the track. Oh, yeah. But now it's just so safe and so predictable and so smells like gas. They need to do something with it. <laughs> I mean, how exciting is it it's just a way to, to torture parents. Oh, for sure. I mean, who wants to ride on the freeway, crowded freeway? I mean, you can do that on the five. Yeah. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a ride that has probably lost its time and place. I agree. I agree. The nostalgia nuts won't let it go, though. I don't think they'll ever pull it out. Like when that whole rumor was coming, well, they're going to rip it out for a Star Wars ride. I'm like, there's no way. They're never going to get rid of Autopia. Yeah, I mean. I, they, they definitely do something exciting with it. 
I just don't know if they're ever going to put the money into Tomorrowland. And mm-hmm. what I was told is that the reason they haven't done anything with Tomorrowland for years is because, like with Star Wars Land, that was a new area. So they could fit more people into the park. Redoing Tomorrowland doesn't get more people into the park. So that's why that one just kind of sits and languishes. True. That's true. Um, pie-eyed Mickey or round-eyed Mickey? It's your favorite. Basically, old no, Mickey or new Mickey? Definitely old Mickey. There we go. What old ride should they bring back to the parks? And don't say the Viewliner, because I'll, I'll know that you're joking. Nah, <laughs> I wouldn't say that one. You know, I, I really think they ought to... I'm going to give two. One, it would be great to have the stagecoach ride back. Yeah. Something unexpected. Or what I wish they could do is take the Thunder Mountain, bring back Cascade Peak, and expand the mine train to where it goes across that, um, what do you call it, that little uh, patch of road or path. Uh Have it go across that on a bridge, go around Cascade Peak again, and make it longer and more exciting. Yes, I like that. That would be so cool because you could have the best of both worlds. You could still have the roller coaster, and you could have it slow down to where it goes through a little bit of the Old West around that that mountain that used to be there. I like it. Um, yeah. I just feel that like the park has lost a lot of its its energy and motion. Sure. Well, look, if there's not a movie made about it, yeah. <laughs> True. then there will be soon. Uh, what current ride do you think they should remove? Which sort of goes back to least favorite, but I feel like there's a dif- there's enough there's of a difference. difference, yeah. Although sometimes it's the same. <laughs> Could be. I'm going through the individual lands, and I'm trying to think yep, here. For sure. It would probably be something in Tomorrowland. Yeah, it has I hate to, to be. Well, what, what is, what's in the Carousel of Progress now? The last time I went there, it was kind of like the Star Wars meet and greet. What, what is Mar- it now? Marvel stuff. It's Marvel stuff now? Because I, 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 That's what it was last time. I think it's I still like Chewbacca and Darth Vader and stuff like that. As of last time we went with Alice. That's where the, you go to meet everybody. Progress was fantastic, and that was one of the great things that I got to experience at Disney World when I went back. Yeah. But so then when we. they made it the House of the Future, which was basically home, a circulating Home Depot. <laughs> it was, yeah. You can't make good use of that space. Yeah, I, I would be fine with them making into something else. If you're not going to bring back the carousel, then get rid of that piece of poo. It was weird because it was like, oh, here's lights that you can control from a, a tablet. I'm like, yeah. Yep, I can, yep I can do that right now, but where's the future part? The but future then, is now. Could you? Because I'm not complaining, but I feel like it never worked. And that's also no, true. <laughs> it really didn't work, yeah. Um, the, the original House of the Future... That was futuristic at that yeah. time. Sure. Right. But I, and I wonder like, what could they, what could you do now? Maybe that should be a segment we do one day. Like what could you make the house of the future now to actually be futuristic? I mean, I feel like we're well, that's for Tomorrowland. That land is a, I mean, it is a steaming turd. I just feel like there has not been any creativity. Where are the future thinkers? You know, Walt tapped yeah. into that with his TV show. You know, he was talking to the scientists, the actual people doing this stuff. Yeah, I don't think Disney does that anymore. No. Well, Dave, I don't know. I mean, they have that big spinning marble ball. 
with water, <laughs> with the water feature, the Listeria <laughs> connection. I like to call that patient zero. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's pretty, you know, the future of art is a, a rolling ball. Um, who's your favorite Disney character? Oh, um, Dopey. Nice. I would have said Steve Martin, but that's me. Um, and it, finally, if you could travel back in time and meet Walt Disney, what would you say to him? I would really, really want to talk to him about um, Disney World and what he wanted it to be. That, to me, is another thing that just makes me want to cry buckets. When I read about what he wanted to do with that place and what it ended up. Yeah. That's a good one. That guy yeah. was just a genius. And I had an opportunity. Um, this was at somebody's house. I won't mention his name. <laughs> Tony Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> where he had a bunch of DVDs that he had had the archives burn for him. And he showed a group of us footage of Walt's last walk through Tomorrowland. Ooh. And you could see, you know, the emphysema, the, the posture. Yeah. They were silent, yeah. so you couldn't hear them. But you could see him pointing to the Tomorrowland when it was under construction in 66. Yeah. I mean, that I would love to just talk to that man. You, know, you, just, you just could feel like the guy knew... His time on earth was borrowed and there was so much he wanted to do. Wow. Just that guy's brain. Oh my gosh. To tap into that. Yeah. And you know, and that's, that's a good point you bring up because it's, if you can get this from a silent, just his gesturing, Mm -hmm. imagine the words that are coming out of his mouth. And you know, I don't like to necessarily put Walt on a pedestal because he had faults like everybody does. But his creativity was so amazing and so forward thinking that not only did he, you know, uh, push his artists for better or for worse, but he, you know, he he was confident in his ideas, but he also like listened to other people. He was sort of like a well-rounded, the most rounded CEO or boss that you've never had. Yeah. And those kind of people are very, very rare. Today, though. What's that? I don't know if he could have made it today. Back then, he could he got things done. Today, in the environment, I don't know how someone like Walt would be able to make it. You I know, agree. All the the permits, the mm-hmm. political correctness, having to do the dumbest common denominator. Someone like Walt would have really struggled. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. genius. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dave DeCaro, everybody. DaveLandWeb.com. Please go check out his website. Sign up for his blog and just, you know, have a good time flipping through these old Disney photos. And don't forget to read all the things. Because like I said, there's some interviews in there. There's some commentary from, like Dave saying, uh, you know, followers and people that he's met and people who used to work at the parks. And you do get a lot of really cool information just by cruising around, checking out. Dave Thank you very much, man. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity. I'd be happy to come back anytime you guys want me. We'd love it. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. Thank you. We'll see you. That was cool. Yeah. I like it. He, well, you guys are kindred spirits. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh right? my gosh. I said the same thing. Like you're literally like I, I wrote in the chat that like, I don't understand how you're both on this chat because you're the same person. 
Well, right. And so we were talking like before the show because, you know, look, full disclosure, I think I mentioned it on some show, whatever, but like he was supposed to be on a couple weeks ago and I just totally screwed it up. Sort of like the way we do our system where it's like I sent him a link, but he was having a hard time coming in and he was emailing me like, hey, I'm here. I can't get in. But his email would go to my spam filter for some reason. And this guy and I've been emailing for months trying to set this up. So I don't know why suddenly Gmail decided to be like, nope, you don't get this information. I know, so, it definitely sounds like you're lying. But. <laughs> <laughs> it never really does. And I told him, I was like, bro, even even me emailing you now or uh, a couple days ago with like, hey, let's set up a time, your response came into my spam. Even though I'm sitting, do not send that spam because I think it's my AOL address. I'm like, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> I'm uh, anyway, so yeah, he's like, he's telling me and he dropped some Kim Irvine stuff. I'm like, we're going to get along just fine, dude. <laughs> I think this is going to be so good because when uh he said that. I was like, uh, "Okay." Yeah. This yeah. A, this is a, a moment made in somewhere. <laughs> it's a maiden somewhere. Uh let me do my other spiel stuff and then oh, did I just lose it? Yeah. And then I I have like three Disney news things to go and then and then we'll we'll scram. Yes, Terry. I have a new segment today. You want to do that today? Oh, I did. Yes. I'm okay, great. Perfect. It. No worries. That's fine. Uh, you can go to Etsy.com slash shop slash coveyors. We, I'm telling you, I keep saying this all the time. It's the last week to buy these Mai Tai glasses. So buy them. I just finalized the recipe for the new drink. It is Or so not the good, new drink. The drink guys. that's going. So I'm going to uh, Matt Tedish, who did our glassware. He's also designing a little card. I got to get him the size. Sorry, Matt. And uh, uh, I sent him the all the breakdown of the recipe. It's very simple. It's a coconut base. So if you don't like coconut and you're allergic to coconut, I apologize. If you are allergic to coconut, by the way, let me know and I will make another drink for you. And I'll, I'll email it to you. I will do that for you. But this is the very last day. Or no, this is the very last week. On Monday, I'm ordering these stupid glasses. And I, I would love to order tons. But, uh, you know, that depends on you guys. So anyway, uh, check those out. You can buy those right now. I'm also thinking about, I don't know, like just ordering more, but raising the price a bit and then not having it come with a drink recipe. And then just they live here. I just, I don't know if I want to do that. So I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. Also, I've been talking about Patreon rebalancing. This is happening starting August. July is the very last time that the Patreon levels are going to be the way they are. I've already talked to you a little bit about the rebalancing and what's going to be happening. Basically, everyone's going to be getting a discount for the store, all this kind of stuff. Um, I will be making these changes late July. If you are a Patreon supporter at at any level, I will be be changing what you get, and I'll be emailing you what happens and what it's changing to. If you like what it's changing to, then you stay where you are. You don't have to worry about it. If you don't like it and you want something else, one of the other tiers or whatever, then you can go ahead in your account and manage that on your own. I don't have to do anything about it. It's way easier than just canceling everybody and letting you resubscribe. It's just, it's not going to work. So that'll be fun. Uh, I'm excited about it. The changes are good, even though it's still a lot of work to figure out how else to bring content to you guys. Um, I think the changes are going to be are going to be good. They're a little more sustainable. And as a thank you for everybody sticking around as long as you have, I'm going to be recording. And if you guys want to join uh, Terrence and Bev and maybe Taryn, I don't know. Um, I'm going to be recording uh, the second episode of the Pyramid, the Eye, the Ears this month at some point. Oh. And it is a banger. It's five 
to six pages already about the conspiracy theory behind a popular Pixar movie. That's all I'm going to say. Jeez. Um, there's some good stuff there, man. So, uh, and that's going to be f- to all patrons at all levels, just as a thank you very much for, uh, for sticking with us and stuff like that. So yeah. Anyway, that is that about that. You know what I'm trying to say, fellas? I got you know what you. I mean? Moon Boots IPA is the latest 21st Amendment beer release. A West Coast IPA brewed with strawberries and loaded with Azaka, Citra Cryo, and Mosaic Hops. Moon Boots IPA was designed and brewed by an all-woman team at 21st Amendment Brewery and in partnership with the Pink Boots Society, advocating for the advancement of women in the beverage industry. The label for Moon Boots IPA features the beer's creators envisioned as otherworldly beings and was commissioned by renowned Los Angeles-based animation artist Robin Eisenberg. Moon Boots IPA is a very limited release and available across the country at your favorite good beer shop, where 21st Amendment beer is sold. Yeah, all right, everybody. You know, Moon Boots IPA. We're going to get a new spot here from Sully at some point. Um, And then, yeah, like August maybe-ish, I think we should, us Bay Area folks should meet up at the 2-1-A. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, although, well, we'll see. Um, okay, and then last, before I get to Taryn's new segment, how about that? Concierge, everybody. Disneyland is now open. Concierge.com. Go, go, go. Book, book, book. If you're not booking a full vacation, if you're just buying Disneyland tickets for a couple of days, Concierge is where you're going. If you're, bucket, if you're booking a full vacation, Concierge is where you're going. There literally is no other place on the internet to go. Concierge.com. Especially, go there, go now. Especially now that you have to have a reservation and a ticket and you have to do them in a certain order and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Don't do it yourself. No, don't do it yourself. <laughs> Literally, don't pay somebody to do it for you. Yeah. There is no extra charge for concierge to do all this garbage for you. You don't want to do it. They want to do and it for you. let me say again, you. they are wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you book, tell them you heard about them from us. Even if you're not going to go for like a year, Send them an email. Get on their website. Follow them on social. Drop yeah. them an email. Say, hey, thanks for supporting yours up. Um, even though they complain too much. <laughs> I'll talk about that in a second. Um, all right. Taryn. Yes. Who's that? 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 Taryn, who is that? <laughs> this is my new segment called Who's That? <laughs> new Seggy Alert. New Seggy Alert. This is um, a segment about characters in Disney movies that we don't really remember very yeah, often. Or have ever heard of. Right. Yeah. So this first one is from my favorite Disney movie. One of them, I suppose. Leading the Tramp? Alice in Wonderland. Oh, okay. The character is Bill the Lizard. Never have I ever heard of Bill the Lizard. Well, you're about to. It's like Kyle the dog like, from Despicable Me. <laughs> trying to rack my brain here of even just remembering seeing a lizard. <laughs> well, as most of you know, Alice in Wonderland is one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. It's the classic tale of a curious girl with an overactive imagination. It's relatable for someone like me. One thing I've always found fascinating about it is the sheer number of characters in it. You have everything from her cat Dinah, 
a tea drunk mouse, a dog with a broom head, countless flower species, and a full deck of cards, among many, many, many others. But there is one character who actually always stood out for me, and that is Bill the Lizard. I hate Bill I'm the Lizard. I'm not even kidding. I don't. <laughs> I Literally, there's nobody listening to this that thought, no, Taryn's joking. <laughs> this is right up Taryn's alley. So Bill is Bill the Lizard. Bill is in the movie for exactly one minute and fifteen seconds. Augustine the Cheetah. I mean, you know, Bill the Lizard is kind of kick-ass. Yeah. Frank the Hedgehog. Stop it. Bill the Lizard is a lanky chimney sweep with a thick Cockney accent. Oi, oi, oi! And while he's strolling along a path, Dodo stops him to ask for help in getting the monster out of the house. The monster, of course, is Alice, and she's grown too large and is stuck inside the White Rabbit's house. The Dodo forces an unwilling and terrified Bill into the chimney, which causes soot to fill the house, which then causes Alice to sneeze, which forcefully propels Bill back through the chimney and into the sky far, far away. Poor Bill. When are we going to get a Bill origin story at a a Disney? Maybe 20 years? (laughs) It's coming. Yeah, okay. So... It honestly surprises me that Bill didn't end up on the cutting floor room, uh, cutting room floor, because he doesn't really move the story along. Um, it's really kind of just a delay in moving the story forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, while his character does help portray uh, the Dodo as, well, a Dodo, uh, the story would be exactly the same without him. And yet, I'm so glad he's there. While most of the characters in Alice in Wonderland are truly self-centered, mean-spirited, and kind of unlikable... Bill is nice. He's positive. He's willing to help. Well, I mean, uh, at first at least. And he's vulnerable. Of course, he gets taken advantage of and is blast off into space or wherever, but at least he's likable. Now, Bill is a character created by Lewis Carroll. He was in the 1865 uh, book Alice in Wonderland. For the Disney film, Bill was animated by Wolfgang Reitherman, uh, Sorry. Uh, He was animated by Wolfgang Reitherman, who also drew the White Rabbit, the Carpenter, the Dodo, Mad Hatter, and the March Hare. Bill was voiced by Larry Gray, a well-known English magician who specialized in card card tricks. Earl Gray was his name? Larry Gray. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's the most English English name in the entire history of the world. Oi, oi, my name is Earl Gray. Larry Gray. Earl Gray. Interestingly, later in his life, Larry had migrated to the U.S. and ended up owning his own magic theater on the boardwalk in Santa Cruz. Oh, nice. Sadly, Larry Gray tragically died in Oakland, California, two months before Alice in Wonderland debuted. Oh, bummerino, dude. I was going to say, like, imagine being like an old guy going, you know, I was the voice of Bill the Lizard in Alice in Wonderland. Here's your yeah. ticket. <laughs> well, I don't, I, I didn't want to go into too much detail, but. Um, What's tragic about it? Uh, well, he offed himself. Ugh, committed suicide. is the, He did. Yeah, okay. he, was, oh. um, he was a very unhappy man. Sad. Well, he maybe he and tried it, out for Alice and was, didn't get it. It was actually, I mean, it was career related. He was depressed of over his career, is what his uh, oh. his yeah his notes said. Trage, trage, dude, that sucks. Yeah. R.I.P. to Larry Gray. Larry Gray. Yeah. Uh, Bill the Lizard is also in the 1986 film. You guys, he's not just in Alice in Wonderland. This is kind of my favorite part of this whole thing. The 1986 film. Well, yes, they're called films, animated film. 
Uh, Bill the Lizard is also in the 1986 film The Great Mouse Detective as one of Professor Riddigan's henchmen. Okay. And this time he's voiced by Wayne Allwine, who was more well known as being the sole voice of Mickey Mouse for 32 years from 1977 to 2009. Wow. Bill the Lizard also makes a very brief cameo at the beginning of Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Really? When Eddie Valant looks outside the window before Dumbo appears, he can be seen helping out with a ladder. And while he has no lines in this one, it is very clearly him. Bill the Lizard is not the most famous character, nor is he particularly well-developed. I still have lots of questions. Like, what happened between Alice in Wonderland and the Great Mouse Detective? How did Bill end up being part of the henchman gang when he was so meek and helpful in Alice? Also, does he know Bert from Mary Poppins? They're both chimney sweeps with Cockney accents. I may never know the answers to these questions, but at least now I know a little bit more about Bill. Who's that? 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 Good job, Taryn. Thanks. You did good. All right. I, it's getting late, but Disney News, I just have a couple things I really want to talk about. Disney news wise. March in the past, present, and future with all the news that's fit to cover. It's the Ears Up Disney News. I mean, maybe it's just really one. Um, there's a new offer for California residents for Disneyland. If you want tickets, you can get a limited time discount three day tickets for $83 a day. That's great. That seems wild to me. That is a screamer of a deal. And that also tells me that nobody's going to the parks. <laughs> I feel like no one's going. I, I know someone who is. Yeah, Darren oh, is. Who is it? It's Taryn. It's me. Hi. I'll be there. I'll be there next Wednesday. This uh, this coming, uh, yeah, so what, like six, five, five, seven days, six days? The 14th. Nice. Yeah, July 14th, I will be in the parks. All right, well, hit Terrence up on Instagram and take a picture of him, please. <laughs> and then post it to like celebrities in Disneyland or whatever. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Terrence Cousins went to Disneyland the other day and they met Shia LaBeouf yeah. at the parks. And then he posted, he tagged like celebs of Disneyland and like his photo made it to celebs of Disneyland, which is like a big thing, I guess. I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. And then he ran into him again at the like the, the that World of Disney store downtown. So he's like Shia like- LaBeouf just like <laughs> posing with his kid. They're like BFF now. Yeah, are they really? No. Oh, okay. I was like, damn. No. <laughs> Look at brother, dude. I got my zombie script. I want. But I mean, sell. when you see the same celeb two times at the Disneyland Resort, you're BFF. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, so look, man. If you're a California resident, you can buy cheap three day tickets. So that's cool. Um, I can say I'll save all this stuff for the secret show. I guess. Yeah, Disney adults are having fun at the park and don't care what you think. Stupid. <clears throat> Stupid stuff. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, news is probably over. That's it. Um, so I have, uh, you know, I've talked about like we're we're going, we're moving to a new like RSS feed service, and um, just figuring out how all that happens on the back end. I, I happen to stumble upon our i our our iTunes page. Just for boring stuff or whatever. And I I never look at our reviews. Okay. Ever. Because the way my mental disease works, not really, uh, but the way that I am, I, I just obsess over just the most banal, like, generic comment. I just go, what does this mean? Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and then I reflect <laughs> constantly. When you take it personally, I take it personally. Um, so I'm not good. Like you know, I, this is why I mean, I've always wanted to like do stand up comedy or be an actor or whatever. I could never, <laughs> ever do it because someone would like heckle me, and I'll be like, "What do you, what do you mean? Is that, are you, is that true? What do you mean?" <laughs> Well, no, hold on, everybody. Let's talk to them. What do you... It would become a therapy session. Oh, man. I feel like... Oh, maybe you're right. Anyway. Um, and so I just... I happened... I was like scrolling down looking for like how many episodes iTunes was pulling over. Really fascinating stuff. And I happened to see that we got like a three-star review recently. And my heart stops because I'm like, you know, I've been sort of internally pretty proud of our iTunes ratings. I mean, we've been, I think, five stars for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't checked in a couple of years, but we've been doing really good. And this is what now suddenly we're 4.5. And I was like, what the what's this about? Mm. It was this three star rating. So I'm like, OK, so I read this three star rating and I'm not going to like read the thing. But it was basically saying that. This show used to be really good, but it's gotten too negative. And I'm going to give this show two more episodes and then I'm going to unsubscribe. Okay. And I, I read it and I'm like, first of all, p- probably true. I mean, show me someone who hasn't gotten like kind of negative over the last year and a half in this sure. pandemic. A lot of things affect me and, and I, I can complain a, a, a little bit too much, a lot. And uh, I get that, and I know that it's a character flaw, but it's sort of why I've built the cast that we that that we have here. Yeah. So we can get counters to that. But I, you know, and I know, and I've talked to Taryn a couple times recently about like, God, I think I'm just, I think I'm too blah about stuff. I got to like pick it up a bit, you know. And I'm so I'm, I'm working on that. It's a thing that I'm I'm actively like I understand about myself. Um, but. I, I don't read these iTunes reviews. I don't get an email that we get a new iTunes review. So here's the thing. Here's a tip for everybody who wants to leave a, a, a review on iTunes. The person that you're leaving the review for will never see it unless they actively look <laughs> for it. So if you're going to tell somebody, if you're going to give somebody what it effectively boils down to like an ultimatum, you should let them know. Yeah. <laughs> because if you don't, well, then you it's just, then there's, there's no, there's no, you're leaving a door open for like a for like a resolution that will never come because the other person doesn't know that the door is open for this resolution, right? Uh, and you guys all know me. I'm a pretty open book. Uh, if you ever want to just talk to me, you can just email me and I will respond to you. And, you know, there's not many like shows that would do that, I think. Or yeah. uh, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a cool thing. So anyway. I'm like, okay, this is weird. You're going to give me two shows, but this is three months ago. So I guess you don't subscribe anymore. But they, they rated now. They were clearly listening for a while. So if you like the show, please go and rate us on iTunes before you stop liking us. <laughs> and then if you don't like us, then you can like change your review or whatever. But like the fact that like I'm being called negative in a review that was clearly left after the person already made up their mind about us is sort of negative, And that's just weird to me. But the kicker of the review was that they were going to email our sponsors yeah, and tell us and tell them that we were being negative to Kim Irvine. <laughs> the whole, this whole thing was about how we didn't like, they didn't like how we were being mean to Kim Irvine, a person neither of us have probably met. 
in my mind, I'm hoping the person who left the review was Kim Irvine. Yeah. But I don't think I'm that lucky. And uh, really, so I started thinking back. I'm like, what have I even said about I called her the pastel witch? And that's basically it. But that's that's my opinion. Yeah, I can say that. But the fact that you want to you want to email my sponsors. I I don't know, man. It just seems really weird to me that like, here's a problem I have with your company, sir. I'm never going to tell you, but I'm going to go after your income stream. Right. Because I don't like the thing that you're saying. Well, because also you don't have to listen. You don't have to listen. And that's fine. And I get it. And I've said it before. And sometimes I've said it a lot stronger than I really mean it. I want to be all things to all people, but I can't. I just, I'm not built that way. So if you don't like the show, I apologize. I really want you to stay. Um, Give us a chance. If not, I understand. That's fine. And I didn't even mean to say all this garbage. But the, 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 the weird, like aggressive part of that really bothered me. And I was honestly like depressed for that rest of the day yeah. because like, what have I even said about a woman I've never met, but whose work I don't like. It's not like it's imagine if I called up Disney and was like, you know what? I don't like Kim Irvine or actually more importantly, if I call up Coca-Cola or any other Disney park sponsor and said, you know who I don't like is that Kim Irvine. So unless you pull your sponsorship from Disneyland, I will never buy a Coca-Cola product again. Can you imagine? Yeah. I don't know. It just, the whole thing struck me weird. And I just, I needed to, I needed to talk about it on the show to just sort of put it to bed. Cause I've been, I've been thinking about it off and on more on than off since it happened for like a week and a half. And I don't like it. I, I, I hate that things live in my head like that. Yeah. And, um, it's just, it was weird. I would never, I would never attack somebody's boss i don't it just it's weird creep me out so uh if anybody has a problem if anybody wants to give me honest feedback send me an email i would love to talk to you about it i really would i would love to talk to people about it okay enough of that drivel (laughs) i do apologize i think i think there is in depth going on on sunday although i don't know anymore it depends on what jeremy has to say for himself it might not happen because suddenly he has something to do. Whatever. But anyway, if you're listening live, that might happen. Um, and um, that will be fun. If it doesn't, well, then it'll happen like next week or whatever. But watch Patreon or whatever. Um, the next show after that, Bev, is that you? I think we have. Sorry, an- I was muted and I made a shrug. I think we have a, an Imagineering show. Okay, well, we'll look at that. But that'll be fun. And then. I know it's coming up soon. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. sure. Um, And then after that show is the secret show. We're going to be doing that live as well. And then um, then after that. Oh, by the the way. The last Tiki Room. Yep. The last Tiki Room. Yes, Terry, go ahead. It is Bev. The history of Peter Pan. History of Peter Pan's flight. You're also going to get a movie review from me. We're back to that. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, Anyway, time for fact of the show, everybody. During the planning stages of Epcot, the upcoming expansion to to Disney World was known internally as Project X. But before it became known as Epcot, it was originally called Cot, Community of Tomorrow. (laughs) At some point, it was decided that Cot didn't sound great. So another acronym was created, Epcot. 
Well, it sounded better, and so the land's name was officially changed to Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. And who knows that? Nobody. You go Wikipedia, you look online, everyone goes, oh, Project X to Epcot. But nobody, nobody knows about COT. No one brings up COT, except me, because your boy did some digging. I found some stuff, and uh, things are great. (laughs) Anyway, we got those facts, baby. Let's go. Terrence, you all right? Bev, you guys good? Anyone want to say anything before we go? Yeah, we're good. We just are sitting next to each other. We we're trying to stay muted as much as possible. Why? But we're good. You don't have to stay muted. Because that might be an echo. It might be an this echo. This is what happens when oh, our mics you are turd. Yeah, you should be in another room. Or use well, the same mic. Oh, same mic. When you got to smell each other's breaths. That's true. <laughs> Light bulb. Bing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What are you going to do? Anyway, uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to Dave from DaveLandWeb.com. That was an awesome uh, interview. He actually just emailed me. Funny enough, didn't go to spam. <laughs> of course not. So after the interview, it's finally like we're, we're spamless. Uh, but he had a great time. So uh, I did too. And it was I had all these questions about like photography. I wanted to talk to him about like actual photography in the park and all that kind of stuff. Didn't even get to it because we're just like just BSing about yeah, he was easy guy to talk to. So uh, support him however you can. Anyway, everybody, thanks a lot for tuning in. Don't forget to ask for the 21st Amendment beers wherever you find good craft beer, like your corner store, maybe. Who knows? All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. And until next time, we'll see you in the parks.